0: When life as you know it is flipped upside down, we struggle to make sense of it all. Why would a good God allow this to happen? Hi, I'm Sherry Pilkington, your host of Finding God in Our Pain. In early 2018, the deepest questions of my life erupted when I unexpectedly lost my husband of 32 years. Since then, I've searched the heart of God for what he has to say about pain and suffering. In this podcast, we'll discover how God enters into our pain, shepherds us through our darkest valley, and out into the green pastures once again. I'll bring you firsthand stories from women who will allow us into their authentic struggle, along with professional advice from experts, counselors, and others who can speak to what it looks like to navigate pain. Join me as we discover God's answers to the deepest cries of our shattered heart. Meredith Sage Kendall is with us today. We get to sit under her wisdom. Wisdom not only because of her life experiences, and I do prefer to learn through someone else's pain and try to avoid it for myself, but also in situations where I find myself in similar pain and I want to know a way out, how to heal. And we sit under her wisdom today with a specific purpose, the heart of this podcast, and that is to hear what she learned about God's heart for her in the aftermath of an affair she had. One of the beautiful benefits that I get to recap when I talk to people about the specific pain they've experienced in their personal life is that with each conversation, I get a little bit more of a clear image of who the God of the Holy Bible is in our pain and suffering. At the end of our conversation, I asked her, what beautiful thing did God speak into your darkest moments? And in her response, The lens that I have laid over God's heart clicked down another degree of microscopic clarity. I was reminded that we are part of God's redemption plan. And here's what I mean by that God does not allow anything that He has not already planned to redeem, He never shows up empty handed. One of the ways that our pain is redeemed is to share our story, our testimony of God's goodness, even in the midst of our most traumatizing situations. To be transparent about our struggle and the pain that envelopes us and yet be able to share how God showed up to heal us is a deeply soothing medicine that encourages the hearts of others who are entering into that same pain and even those who have yet to heal from their personal trauma. When we reach out to encourage another heart, to let them know they're not alone, we're creating a connection and that's the heart of God in all things relationship. Let's get to it and hear how Meredith wants to encourage the heart of a woman who finds herself in a situation that has left her with guilt and shame. Meredith, thank you so much for being a guest here today, because I know you have a heart for my listeners to learn the love of God. So thank you very much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. This particular
0: conversation is about affairs and uh, particularly from our perspective, is one of women who find themselves in affairs. What was life like for you before you find yourself in an affair?
1: Well, it's funny that you ask that because mine came very early in our marriage. And knowing what I know now, um, it was totally a, a learned behavior uh, for me. I grew up Being told I was worthless. Mm -hmm. I grew up being told I would never amount to anything. Okay. So I took on that aspect of myself. I had to have a boyfriend every time I turned around. It didn't matter how you treated me, what you did. I needed a boyfriend. Just sit with me on the bus, just hold my hand, just whatever it was, um, and tell me you love me. I don't care if you meant it, just tell me you love me. And so that behavior was my go-to behavior all through high school, all through, um, you know, up to finding my husband. The problem was, and I tell people all the time, I got married. um, We were pregnant before we got married. And, you know, statistically, if you look at our marriage and everything, um, statistically we should not be together. We should not have three beautiful children. We should not have all of this, but God. I always Mm -hmm. tell people, but God. So grew up in the 80s, where I grew up, very small town. There was nothing there. When we got married, I tell people all the time, um, we took the first job that was available. And we were uh, managing a motel that had probably the most outcasts in the world. I mean, we had biker gangs fighting. We had Gosh. um prostitutes every night. I mean, we lived behind bulletproof glass. Let me just tell you where I lived, okay? I lived behind bulletproof glass and I'm pregnant. Mm. So you take this young girl who's going through life letting life happen because I've never been taught anything else. Actually, I've been taught how to sabotage my goals. I've been, right. I've been taught how to not follow through on things because that was never my go-to behavior. My go-to behavior was to sabotage it and quit it before. Okay. And so through that, um, and I guess I need to preface this. I'm not saying all this to make an excuse. I'm saying this because if I had known then right. I could have had my guard up right but it's one of those hindsight's 2020 20 kind of thing the problem was is i still even after the affair it was still almost a a go-to behavior because i still hadn't worked on me okay. i still hadn't worked on who i was okay
2: yeah.
1: so we move um 600 miles away from family um get out of that situation the economy's better everything's great now, you have to understand, in the 80s, no cell phones, you oh, know, true. no FaceTime, no, no staying connected. And you took the girl out of the city, but you didn't take the way she felt mm. out of her. So immediately, we get to this new town. We're making $3.35 an hour. Uh, The church we get involved with is very much about women don't work, women stay at home, Mm. uh, they take care of the children, and I'd always worked. That was kind of my one thing I could control, I guess. And um, I just kept getting deeper and deeper into the not worthy. Mm. And you have to understand, at this point in time, I'm not a Christian. I said I was. (laughs) I said I was. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not a Christian. Um, basically, I knew all the right answers. Right. If you had asked me if I was going to heaven, I would have told you definitely. Um, because I had taken all the classes. I knew all the answers. I knew how to answer that, right? Right. But again, who I was was mm-hmm. not delved into who Christ told me I was. It was who the world was telling me That's I good. was or wasn't. That's a good point. I like that. And so... Um newly married, trying to figure out life, and I have never seen a healthy relationship. Yeah. Key. My mom um, was divorced when I was 10. She got remarried. Um, I tell people all the time that was the man who was my abuser. Um, and so I took all of that into a marriage. Into a marriage that said, you just quit when the going gets tough. And my husband to this day, I mean, he's funny because he says, you use that word divorce one more time. I suggest you mean it, you know, (laughs) and I'll I'll tell you, I remember the last time I used that word because that's not how he grew up. So we brought both these baggages into this marriage Mm. with no way to understand how to fix it. You know, Mm -hmm. but it all comes to and succumbs to the fact that I didn't feel loved. My husband was out there working and working and working, trying to provide for his family. And, and I can't tell you if it wasn't that I didn't feel completely loved because I didn't see that as love growing up.
2: Makes sense.
1: I saw that more as an escape growing up, I think. Mm. Um. But I needed to be loved, and I wanted somebody to pay attention to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At least that's what I was telling myself back then. But it's a scheme of Satan, you know. Now, now that you're looking back on it years later, going, mm-hmm. "Why did I do that? Right. I had a great marriage. I had great kids. Why was I going to screw it up?" Right.
0: When you're in the moment and you're reasoning with your emotions and your feelings and your situation. You know, that's when Satan has this playground to work against what God wants to do. So he, inter- he intervenes in those things like you're saying you, you had wants and you had needs. And so you're contemplating them and stressing over them. And then Satan plants a few ideas that where you can solve your problem.
1: And that's the problem. You don't solve your problems. You make a bigger problem. Um. Uh, and I don't think you go into it looking at the end result. You, you're going into it going, I want somebody to tell me they love me, whether they did or not, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's probably one of the worst things that the church did for us was we didn't work it out. We didn't work through it. Mm-hmm. We were told to talk about it that night and never bring it up again. I will tell you that was the worst advice ever.
0: Really? Yeah. Because you've not really processed. There's so much that goes along with that, that I didn't get a chance to process that.
1: No. And now it's what, (laughs) how many years later we've been married 35. So what 30 something years later and your mind just blocks it out. And and you just forget it, or you, maybe you say stuff here to change the way it maybe looked or something. And if you don't work it out and if you don't get through it, that right then and there, Mm -hmm. there's scars. And my husband will tell you there's scars because he didn't get to ask questions. He didn't get to talk. He didn't get to, because the church said, talk about it tonight and never bring it up again. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: So again, Satan can have a field day with it. And it's something that we have to be very careful with mm. because Satan can have a field day with it when we allow our foundation to be crumbled or broken or even a crack in it. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and I wish I could say affairs, you can get over them and you can have it a great marriage, but you also have to be very careful because when you think everything's great, Satan can bring. And find that little bitty crack that you didn't close up Mm. and create a new fault line.
0: You bring an important foundational piece here because the church can fail us. They're human. They've got to deal with their human emotions just like we do. So it does sound like you're pointing back to looking to God as to who we are to fill our needs, to discover our worth. Um, because when you went to your husband, told him you're taken to the pastor, he says, talk about it one time and do not say any more about it, but you're still not healed. Or were you dealing with shame and guilt? Did you go to the Lord with with those things?
1: I wish I could say I went to the Lord right away. <laughs> I carried that shame and guilt. Um, and it may not have been a shame and a guilt. It may have been, okay, I'm, I'm pardoned and I'm okay. Let's just Let's just do what he said and keep going, which is another, um, oh, just another mechanism of, of safety for yourself, putting that board up. Can't touch this, that compartmentalizing stuff.
2: Right.
1: And I don't think people realize um, that the Lord was there. I was very active in the church. The church doors were open. We were there. But for me to have that personal relationship, it was more about uh, knowing the right answers. It wasn't about finding that personal relationship, realizing that and starting to stand on the verses that he created me in his image, that I have a purpose on this earth. I need to find out what that purpose is Um, and that everything I do needs to be renewed through his words, not through what the world says. And until you understand all that, people will throw verses at you, you know, you can do all things. And, you know, I planned this for good, blah, 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 you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for, I know the plans I have for you. I mean, everybody spouts those verses, but do you really know what they mean? They're great little snippets, but if you are standing on a verse, but don't realize it says, If you commit all your ways, if you do all of this, then I will do all of this. We forget those little words, those little words that either come before or after. Mm -hmm. And we just want to stand on this little bitty scripture. And until the church gets back to the basics of who God is, why did he send his son to die on this earth for us? And it wasn't. For any other reason, except he wanted a relationship with us, a right relationship with us that was redeemed, that was restored. And this was the only way to do it. It is not our get out of free jail card so we can sin all day long. It is so that we can be more like him every day until we are completely and have our eternal bodies with him, glorifying him you know, and I love it. I heard someone say the beginning of the rest of your life is the day you get saved and you need to start living like it. Mm. It's not when you die, right? It's when you died to self and became a new creation in Christ. And we forget that
0: because there is so much life to be living through him now instead of waiting for that last breath so you can step through the doorway of death and meet him face to face. But yeah, he's here. He's present. He's engaged. I love when I get those snippets like that, this download, if you will, of knowledge of who he is, because every dose or every little part of that just draws me closer to his heart. But it does take time digging in, sitting in, talking to, asking for revelation. So it is that relationship, not just a title or relate uh, uh, religion.
1: It's asking him for the knowledge and the wisdom. I think yes. it's in James, I think it says, ask, it will be given to you and pours it out generously. Isn't it interesting when you
0: think about your family of origin sets the stage for everything that you, mm-hmm. the way that you look at life, the lens mm-hmm. that you use to look at life and to process life ahead of you. So that early stages of, of family is very important. And I don't think any of us have the perfect family. So that right there tells you that you need to start out with the Lord young and early so that you can learn who you really are.
2: So And
1: start off with the Lord young in the right way. The other thing that God has really been stressing on me in my older age now is the whole Titus 2 passage. You know, and I wrote the other day that I am real good at Titus II, somebody else, but not so much my children, my grown children who now have my grandchildren. And I have been convicted more and more recently that that Titus II is not just for the church, but it's even more
2: mm-hmm.
1: for women who have girls, who have daughters. Titus 2 is the whole thing about where the older women are supposed to mentor the younger women, okay. bringing them up in the way of the Lord and showing them. But I think so many times we forget that that first place starts at home, not mm. in the church, not on a Wednesday night, not on a Tuesday. It starts at home with your girls. Mm. And the same goes for the guys. But, right. you know, we always use it to get women to be mentors in the church. (laughs) Mm. Guess what women, we need to mentor our own girls in the way of the Lord first.
0: What were the self-protection strategies you used?
1: (laughs) I think self-protection can go negatively and positively because I think my self-protection originally was, um, I got to look out for me. And that's what got me into trouble then self protection after that is um we started putting up some very clear boundaries, you know, social media today, I mean, like I tell people all the time, I am grateful social media was not around. It is scary how many relationships are not open books to each other. Mm. You know, even this morning my um my husband needed to cancel an appointment, but I have been um I've been the one dealing with the client on my phone and he picked up my phone. He knows my password and immediately scrolled through the messages and immediately did that. Now, if all of a sudden you've got a tinge (gasps) of, then you're doing something wrong. But if it's a, Hey, there's my phone, blah, 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 right. Then you're good. You know, we've got to set up those self protections as in now self protection is between you and your husband. self-protections between you and your family. And it starts with a solid foundation in who God says you are and who God wants you to be while you're here on this earth. Like you said, don't wait until you take your last breath. You know, my husband says all the time, it is not a legalistic requirement, but an irresistible response. Mm. Say that again. It is not a legalistic requirement. It is an irresistible response. To live your life daily, glorifying the Lord for no other reason than because he loves us. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. And he has asked us if we want to be his children. And we said yes. That's all.
0: In that yes, you find this filling up of love, irresistible love, that perfect love And then we enter into relationships, conversations, our job, our workplace meetings, and we enter in with an overflow of who he is. Therefore, we are not looking to anyone else to fill us up with what they have or what we think we need and we think they have. So that is just another reason to know him now and to discover him now.
1: The grass is not always greener on the other side because it's on the septic field. Let me just tell you that. (laughs) Oh, that's good. But the thing is, it's the truth. Mm. You know, the world we live in is so visually stimulating. And the Bible in its truest form is on scrolls. (laughs) Not much visual, you know, not a lot of pictures. But yet it is the truest book. It is the truest written story that we need to take a hard look at and emulate our life after that and not after the Hallmark show or Mm -hmm. the commercial of the good looking guy and lady. And, you know, it's, you've, God has put us here for a reason. What is your purpose? Mm -hmm. And your purpose is not to continue to live in a cycle of self-defeat. You know, And my life could have turned out a whole lot different if I had not had an amazing husband. If I had not had an amazing husband who loved the Lord. And again, he will tell you he didn't become a Christian until in his thirties as well. But yet he had enough foundation in the Lord Mm -hmm. to know and not to walk away. Mm -hmm. And to make this work. And I can't say that about a lot of families that have been destroyed by, because I will tell you, families are destroyed by affairs mm-hmm. all day long, every day. Mm-hmm. Satan knows it. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the easiest ways that he can get a hold of somebody when they are not grounded in who God says they are
2: right.
1: and living a life that is worthy of the calling that we have on our life.
0: Mm -hmm. Satan always wants to get in the middle of it, twist it up. And he has that power and ability when we don't have a solid um, understanding of who God is, or even at the very least faith in who he is, and therefore begin to discover Who he is. You know, social media is a great thing. I ask for prayer. People are praying immediately, but it definitely does cause us to brand ourselves in the most positive light so that we are really not being transparent or authentic about our humanness and therefore we put the pressure on others around us to maybe try to escalate their life to look a a little bit better. And you were talking about the movies and the imagery and then the scrolls. And I always describe God as good and kind, But God is very simple, yet extremely deep and complex. So good and kind does describe him, but you cannot stop there. You can't look at him through only one lens of life, whether it's science or math or creation or whatever. You have to look at him through all of the facets that he embodies. And you will not get a fair understanding of who he is until you dig in. But I love that when you dig in with one question and you press him for that. He gives you revelation and then you grow in that. So he's not overwhelming. He's very kind, very gentlemanly. Like when the Lord speaks to you, what does he, do you hear a voice? Do you hear, um, do you have impressions?
1: Do you get visions? How do you hear from the Lord? You know, it's funny that you say that it's like, sometimes it will just be a feeling and it's just like, okay, this will not go away. And okay, let me dig into this but i absolutely love how god i will sit there and i'll be studying and i will look for the reference or i will look for the commentary or something like that and before i know it i'm in the old testament and then i'll read a verse and it will have a but or a therefore at the beginning so i already know okay let me go back and see what is really being talked about and i will find that the verse that he really wanted me to hear was maybe like five verses prior had nothing to do with what I was studying, but he needed me to get there because I was going to need that later today.
0: Are you one who likes to study? Meaning would you find that challenging? Therefore he leads you in that way?
2: Yes.
1: Okay. I am. And I can thank my husband for that. (laughs) I'm in revelation right now. I've been in revelation for a long time. I absolutely loved, um, digging in, figuring it out. Um, And one of the Bible teachers that I absolutely love, um, Christy McClellan, and she um, tells us that we need to take off our lenses and put on the Eastern lenses, Eastern, the Middle East lenses, because we have our Western lenses on how we read the Bible. Yes. We need to put on the Middle Eastern lenses Mm. and read the Bible as it was written in the Middle East. Okay. Okay. And when you read it with that, there is so much more meat that we don't even see it. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow. And reading the Bible for what it says, not what we want it to say. Mm. And I think that's what gets us into trouble a lot. That's good. Mm-hmm. Is And that's when we pick out our little verses, you know.
0: Out of context. It sounds like the source, if you will, the root, well, the source is God, but the root of our life um, is going to come down to finding our identity and who he says we are. Therefore, again, kind of backtracking a little bit into showing up into these areas of responsibility and areas of obligation with an overflow, ready to come to contribute and learn rather than pull from other people, what we think we need.
1: If your identity though was never taught, except that your identity was Um, the awful names you got called as a child, Mm -hmm. that's who your identity is. And you live out that identity and it takes a very long time to undo that identity. I agree. Can God just go zap? And yes, yes, he can. I've seen it happen. But for the most part, it is a day in day out going, no, I'm not listening to the lies of the world. And and the thing is, though, again, back to social media, back to different things like that, Satan does not have to use a lot of tactics he used to use. Because we have infiltrated ourselves and even into the churches that um, he can sit back and just go, "Yeah, got that ball rolling years ago and look where it's gone now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and and we've done it to ourselves and until we get off that roller coaster and get back to the simplicity of who God is. Mm-hmm. But also remember, yes, he's loving, he's kind, he's gentle, but he is also a just God.
0: I mm-hmm. want to get back to your experiences because I want to encourage women who have find themselves in this uh, situation. Having an affair brings a lot of shame and a lot of guilt onto uh onto your heart and we're we're really talking about who god is and how he can release that for us but as you're walking it out and in the church and being very busy checking all the boxes of doing what a good christian does but yet not having that intimate uh sustaining relationship you didn't get a chance to talk about the affair other than the one night so you still have um healing to do. Did you ever get a chance to grieve what had
1: happened? I think I have been grieving differently. I'm learning recently what grieving looks like. That's a whole nother God thing that he's been doing for me is healing and walking and working through stuff. It's become more about releasing that shame and guilt and not so much just saying, okay, it happened. Now it's over. About three years ago, I started a journey of going back to root causes and going back and writing down and doing this prayer forgiveness. And it wasn't just like, okay, Lord, I forgive, blah, blah, blah. But basically also writing out the, the, uh, the act, what, what it was. And I think that's where so I don't know if it so much was the grieving process. Um, Cause I think I'm learning even more. So even recently what grieving really is. Mm. Um,
0: and it looks differently for everyone.
1: And so, and I guess what I would like to say though, is even though this happened 30 something years ago, it's not too late to go back and grieve. And I found that out. In 2018, maybe I'd have to go back and look at my dates, but, um, I know what it means to not grieve things because for a few years there, I was told I couldn't eat dairy and eggs and corn and blah, 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 this whole list. Right. And we were traveling a lot and we had to give up our dog and different things was, was happening. And we gave up our house so we could move into an apartment because we knew God was moving and, and just, just different things. And I came home from an event and my neck, I couldn't move my neck and it was like a, like you'd slept on it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I went to the doctor, we were traveling, we went to the doctor, they gave me some pain medicine, they gave me uh, steroids, they gave me muscle relaxers, nothing worked. I got back and I went to see my chiropractor and I said, okay, you got to fix this because I've slept on it wrong. Something's happened. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, yeah, you're a little bit out of adjustment, but that's not from that. Uh, This is not something I can fix. You got to fix this. And I'm like, what do you mean? I got to fix this. Now, my chiropractor was a Christian. Okay. And so he could talk to me bluntly. He says, That's all psychosomatic. I said, It's a what? Right. He said, That is psychosomatic. And until you deal with whatever it is, that's not going away. So some other things happened. We went home. We were driving home. My mom, I called my mom and she said, Did you grieve? Have you grieved everything mm. you've lost?
2: Right.
1: And by the time I got home, which was maybe 15 minutes, I had cried myself out of and grieved mm-hmm. a lot that I could move my neck. Huh. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it wasn't that easy. <laughs> but yet it was the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. was to just release and say, God, I need you to take this. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why it's so hard to give them our shame and guilt. Why is it? That's the thing that we go back and pick up at the cross every time.
0: I'm with you. I can believe God forgave me, but why can't I forgive myself?
1: It is the hardest thing to forgive ourselves. And that's one of the biggest things that we do in our classes is we teach people to um, forgive themselves.
0: And when you say classes, you're talking about your ministry.
1: The 180 program, the curriculum that we wrote, the life recovery curriculum that we wrote.
0: And we'll provide Um, contact information for you to to have to understand what that is for our listeners. And so
1: God's like, you do know that you teach on this every day, right? (laughs) So when are you going to start? You know, and I tell people there's a difference between self-confidence and Mm self-esteem. The Latin word for esteem is estimere. And it means to rate yourself to rate. And so it's like, okay, self-rate. Why do we not self-rate ourselves? And I'm not talking narcissistic self-rate. I'm talking, why do we allow our self-confidence to be so high, but yet our inner, the way we feel, the way we rate ourselves on the inside to be Mm. so low. And then we wonder why all of a sudden you look at people and you're like, they had the world. Why did they just commit suicide? Right. It's because we didn't rate ourselves even a 10th of our self-confidence. So there's and, a disconnect
0: between the outside and the inside.
1: Yep. And that's, that's shell, that shame and that guilt. And we allow that shame and that guilt that we're a phony, that if they just knew how we really were on the inside. Right. Well, guess what? If you, if you verbalize it, Satan can no longer hold it. Mm. You know, and we allow our thoughts to keep us hostage so much. They paralyze us. And the scripture tells us to take it captive. That's but true. unfortunately, we allow the Satan to hold it hostage over us. Mm. And until we let go, let go and realize that the shame and the guilt is not Something that that Jesus is holding over us, He is asking us to release it on His feet, to pour out our tears, mm-hmm. and be that woman who is just letting it go at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is there to restore us, to redeem us, back into that right relationship. And yet, we let every single thing we do wrong, including affairs, keep us bound. That. God could never use us. And that is the farthest from the truth.
0: Amen. That's the beautiful redemption of his love for us. So when (laughs) we sin, there is a point at which we must grieve as part of the process of letting it go. And I do know from losing my husband and then just trying to process it and distancing myself. Well, I didn't realize I was distancing myself from processing it. But at some point, I decided to go to grief share. And when I went, I was like, I should have been here two years ago because grief will wait for you. And like you said, you're experiencing that in your neck um, and it hadn't, you know, gone away, or at least the body is now trying to process this grief and that's the way it manifests itself. But you come to this place of grieving and that's released. I do believe that grieving does have that kind of power on your mind and on your body. And I don't think, and this is, I'm just speaking from my personal experience is that, We can really get to the healing part if we don't grieve. What is your thought on that as far as the importance of grieving?
1: I think it's very important because again, for me, I think so many of us think grieve is losing somebody.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Did you grieve when your grandma died? You don't think of grief as, okay, Meredith, did you grieve the fact that you can't eat all these foods anymore? Did you grieve the fact that God just asked you to sell your house and move into an apartment? Did you just grieve that? And I think once we realize that grieving process, then we can understand the whole, are you grieving the Holy Spirit?
0: Mm. Okay, that's good.
1: Because I don't think I really understood the grieving of the Holy Spirit until recently as I'm delving into more of the revelation and the end times and different things that are happening and also just life in general and where God has me today. But do I grieve the fact that we are not relying on the Holy spirit to guide and to direct us? He is here as our guarantee. Yes. But he's also here to be our guide, to be our, to be our person who we are looking to, to say, okay, okay, what step next? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? We are not filling ourselves and living in that power,
2: mm.
1: that power, that resurrection power, that, that power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power lives in us.
2: Mm.
1: And we're not utilizing it. Mm. We're stuffing it and saying, oh, we'll filling wait until later.
0: Right. And filling it with other things, other shiny objects, if you will. So help press in with me here for just a moment. It sounds like to me that you are saying there is a spiritual grieving of when we do grieve the Holy Spirit, when we are not pursuing the things of God's heart. But there's also a grieving that we should be allowed and bring to the Lord. That's daily life grieving, where we show up with our expectation and uh, what we think we either deserve or what we hope to have, but yet we don't get them. God's maybe leading us a different way, but we can genuinely grieve those things, a loss of a goal or a dream, the loss of something even more physical, your physical abilities, eyesight, um, a, a leg, an arm. So there's these different levels of grieving that God's Heart and his love for us allows us to have and to be mm-hmm. genuine and transparent with him. Am I understanding you correctly?
1: Yeah, we need to grieve every day losses mm. because if we don't, then. And, well, and I'll give you a pure example. I didn't realize <clears throat> we did our Christmas early because our kids have always been in hospitality. So we always do our Christmas at the beginning of December. Our grandson was contract traced with covid and so he had to be out of school and so therefore my we took all the presents over to that daughter and we were going to facetime thank you technology but just not the same right right and i did not realize here it goes Mm -hmm. they were able to go get a test and get the results back he was negative they showed up Unbeknownst, I didn't realize how much I hadn't grieved this whole year. All the losses, you know, the losses of elderly family members that we will never get to see again, and it was something as simple as they live in the same town. I'm going to see them, you know, as soon as they get off quarantine. But they walked in that door, and the tears. Mm. But how many of us have not grieved 2020?
0: Amen to that. There is a lot of grieving that should take place for 2020.
1: And yet, how many of us lost opportunities to tell people about the hope that we have? Because, you know, pain is just not an affair. And if you want to be truthful, we have an affair on Jesus every day when we look at other things, when we do anything but what he is telling us to do.
0: Mm, That's a strong point
1: and I guess this is what I want people to hear is I had my affair prior to being a Christian. Okay. I thought I was a Christian. I thought, and then it was like the shame and guilt of how dare you because you're a Christian. Right. I want people to understand that God meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're being left there, then you might need to get back on your knees and figure out what's going on. We are never so far gone that Jesus is, did not die for you too. Mm, Amen. but you do have to come to the cross you do have to ask for forgiveness you do have to work through all the junk we go to the cross and we ask for forgiveness but we still have all those cracks in our foundation that we did not work through will we fail yes we're human Mm. (laughs) you know we will trip we will fall every single day but you have a choice to get up Mm -hmm. But the second choice that I think that nobody teaches us about is to actually physically pray through asking for forgiveness, asking for redemption from that crack Mm -hmm. and then filling it. And I tell people we're going to fill it with the Holy Spirit so that you can't fall back in that crack. That crack Mm -hmm. will never have air coming through it again because you filled it with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that. And I don't think anybody's ever taught us to do that. It's a Okay, ask for forgiveness and then leave it. That's what the church told us to do. Mm -hmm. Ask for forgiveness and walk away. No. You need to fill those holes, those foundations. And I am grateful. I am grateful that I only fell once to that temptation. Right. Because I didn't fill those holes right away. Mm -hmm. It took me a very long time to love myself. Mm -hmm. And it took me a very long time to forgive And to say, that was a learning experience. Thank you, Lord. I don't wish it upon my worst enemy, but what am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with the pain? Are you going to let it destroy you and your family? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Or are you going to help somebody else heal because they hear that you are real and that God loves you? He is just waiting for you. To come to the cross, lay it down at his feet. We also have to ask for forgiveness and repent Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: then also go and fill those holes so they don't happen again.
0: And filling those holes to me is discovering who God is in this situation, whatever your sin might be in this particular case, you know, we're talking about uh, an affair. But I think when you're looking at the process of drawing closer to the Lord, I was writing down a few things as we're talking and it's humbling yourself under the love of god that takes courage as well to approach the lord and look for his great love for us and then there's acknowledging what happened acknowledging what you did your actions your take responsibility for what you did and then being transparent with the lord also grieving grieving what what it's cost you grieving how it separated you from God, how it broke relationship, because I do believe the fingerprints of Satan is that he destroys relationship. He comes in Mm -hmm. and severs them, causes resentment and anything to destroy it. And then there's the forgiveness, not just believing that God forgives us, but we forgive ourselves. And again, I think it falls back on, if I'm following our conversation correctly, it falls back on that humbling, acknowledging, being transparent, grieving, repenting, things like that, that it, truly is a process to forgive. And I don't think that I really ever thought about it like that. A process to arrive at forgiving myself at my age, asking God to forgive me. I get it. It's based on his great love for me that I am forgiven, but I need to forgive myself. And there is a Mm -hmm. process to that. So that's that's enlightening uh, for me to think of it as, yeah, you're not just going to get there at the snap of a finger and, Oh, everything's fine. I've been, God forgave me. I'm forgiven. I'm great.
1: That attitude right there gets you put right back into the same mess you started it.
0: What sort of prayers were you saying? What sort of scripture, what got you through when it got hard on your heart, like not hard as in your heart and your heart, but like heavy,
1: painful. You know, I guess for me at this point in time, I'm grateful. I'm here to talk about it because at that point in time, not, knowing the Lord as much as I, like I do now, I can't tell you there were prayers. I can't tell you there were things like that. It was more along the lines of do what you always do Mm. and get through it, which was delve yourself into work, delve yourself into your family, delve yourself. So it was probably more action oriented. And if I look at it today, it's more of thank you, Jesus for grace, Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that you spared my family. Did it all come out looking like that? Probably not because I wasn't having quiet time. I was more involved in Bible studies that were way over my head. And then just delving myself in loving others, loving kids, loving. I got very involved with kids programs and things like that. Again, a whole nother shame, guilt thing. Um, Because I felt safe with kids, not so much with adults. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. So I wish I could say, hey, um, go grab this scripture, go grab that scripture. I have to say that I think God totally spared me mm-hmm. to be able to say, I didn't walk away from Him. I didn't walk away from my family. I didn't walk away from getting a relationship with the Lord, even mm-hmm. though I didn't have one at, the, at that point in time. I didn't walk away from the church. Mm -hmm. I kept going to church. I kept going on Sunday mornings and to read my Bible and to delve in, Mm -hmm. I hadn't been taught how to do that yet. So for me, in my situation, I am grateful because I could have had a completely different ending. Right. So I think that's one of those times where God just kind of scoops you up and says, Mm -hmm. here, you're going to sit in my lap for a while. Right. And I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to get you to that next level so that you can finally see what you're missing and what you need, you know, because I really believe that it all could have ended completely different if God had not intervened.
2: Mm.
0: When did healing come? But you, you kind of already discussed, you know, your healing when you grieved. Healing came for you when you grieved and laid it at the feet of the Lord. Is that accurate?
1: For me, I think healing has been a longer process and walking through it. And I think sometimes it gets bunched in with other things. And I've had other things happen that I've had to go through grieving processes and different things. But I think in 2017, 2018, when the whole neck thing happened, I think I've learned more about allowing God in so that he can filter out all the junk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we don't keep that poison in us. And I think that's what the grieving process does.
2: Mm-hmm. Is
1: I think when we don't grieve, we keep that poison in us. Again, I wish I could say I, you know, on this day at that point in time, I right. grieved.
2: Right. And it
1: was all over. I think for me it's been a learning process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the affair gets jumbled in with. Okay, I screwed this up or I did that or I lost, you know, being able to eat all these food. I think it all was put together. I can only imagine how much more healing I would have had earlier.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe I wouldn't have had all my food allergies. Maybe I would have.
0: <laughs> but you know, God never wastes anything. He does like, no matter how long we take to arrive at wherever he's leading us. It seems like whenever we get back on course with him, he's like, all right, let's go. And he never misses a beat. We show up with all this other baggage that he never intended for us. And then he repurposes all of it and fills it into the storyline as we move forward uh, with him. So that is just yet another beautiful thing about who he is. Is there anything else you wanted to add to the conversation if a woman finds herself in the aftermath of an affair or maybe even in the midst of or contemplating an affair?
1: I'd like people to understand that affair does not mean a sexual relationship. Because I've got a feeling there's a lot of people out there having affairs right now through Facebook, through Instagram, through social media, through even work, you know, flirtations or whatever it is. If you are finding yourself longing to go to work to see so-and-so, or if you are, you know, the whole you've got mail thing kind of thing. If you are longing to get any of that interaction from anybody besides your spouse, you need to get help right now. Mm. You need to stop. You need to walk through something else. You need to figure this out because Satan will use it. And that tells me there's a deeper issue. If you're in the midst of an affair, it is never too late to stop. It is never too late to get out and my biggest question is why why the affair why are you looking to somebody else and if it's because there's an issue in the marriage we need to work on that if there's an issue with you and God we definitely need to be working on that there's always a why there is always a why you may not see it right away but there is always a why if you're coming out of it and have the aftermath and you don't have the, the story of redemption like we do, that doesn't mean that God will not, and does not already have something else planned for you. But remember to wait on the Lord for that answer, because Satan will use it to get you into another relationship that will fail. Mm -hmm. Because until you work on who God created you to be, You will be looking for your your affirmation in everyone and anything. And when you are at your lowest, is when Satan will strike with the comment of, Oh, you're beautiful today, or don't you just look wonderful? And if you're not getting that from home, um, you know, it's funny because psychologists and things say we need 10 non sexual hugs a day. And that's just to outweigh one negative thing in our life. Mm. But how many of us and today isolation aren't getting hugs. You're so right.
0: And isolation is Satan's
1: playground. It is. It very much is. There's just so much. There is so much, but there is hope. If your marriage did not come through on the other end, don't let that be the end all and Definitely, definitely don't get stuck in a cycle of this is all I'm worth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we don't stop to see that. We get caught on that roller coaster. I tell people all the time, are you on the roller coaster of letting life happen or making life happen? And when we get into those negative cycles, we are letting life happen. And when we ask for forgiveness and we ask God, what is his plan? Then we make life happen. Mm -hmm. And, and then there's another thing that's really strong out there and it's the whole limerence thing. And that's a whole nother episode on itself.
2: <laughs> what is that? Into,
1: it's called limerence. Limerence is a state of mind, which results from a romantic attraction to another person typically includes obsessive thoughts or fantasies and a desire to form or maintain a relationship with the object of love and having one's feelings reciprocated. Hmm. Satan uses that to destroy marriages all day long because guess what? They're looking for something. Mm -hmm. And if you're not grounded in who God says you are and your marriage is not strong for some reason, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden that feeling, because we all want to be loved. Right. Yeah. We We all want that relationship. We were built for relationships. If we Mm -hmm. weren't built for relationships, God wouldn't have created Eve to go with Adam. You know, that was the only thing that was missing in the garden was a relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you were talking about Satan, it's the only thing he destroyed was the relationship.
0: I think that God is the God of relationships. Yeah. So, um, Satan, that's going to be one of his main
1: targets. It's just scary how much our emotions, when we are not grounded in the Lord and we are grounded in what the world says, right. creates and wreaks havoc on our lives. And Mm -hmm. so until we find who we are in Christ, our Mm -hmm. identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. nothing will be right.
0: The standard for the world changes, goes through what fads and trends and definitions of different things. (laughs) But the good thing along with God's good news is that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What beautiful thing did the Lord say to you in your darkness?
1: The one thing the Lord has said for me is it wasn't my story to keep. It's not my story to keep. If I can't help one marriage be saved, it was worth it. If I can help one baby be saved, when they hear my story of being an unwed, getting pregnant out of wedlock, and walking through and finding that relationship with Jesus, even after coming out of the religious sect, It was worth it. If I can help one young mom realize her children are precious gifts, it was worth it. What we go through needs to be a testimony of God's goodness, his faithfulness. And if that's one word that people describe me when they hear my stories, it's God's faithfulness that I'm actually able to sit here of sound mind. (laughs) testifying how amazing God is. Even when he allows us to wallow in our pain, our self-pity, our destruction, because we think we know it best, or we know how to do it better than he does. His faithfulness is always there when we're ready to accept it.
0: Hmm. And that's the redeeming love of God. For us to repurpose or to use our pain to encourage the hearts of others who will find themselves in the same situation we have experienced. And I love that about him. My listeners, have courage to look to God, not only for the definition of who you are, but for his great love for you. Have the courage to step into that embrace and begin to ask him those tough questions of your heart, begin to press into him to find out what he has to say about your pain and suffering, because he does care. He sees you, he cares, he loves you and he wants to show you who he is with reference to what you're going through. I'll, and I'll wrap up with this because this was precious to me when the Lord said to me, uh, as I cried out to him about the death of my husband, it was totally unexpected and he said to me, Sherry, I do not care what this world hands to you. And so in my mind, I was thinking, you know, divorce, death, bankruptcy, physical limitations, affairs. I don't care what this world hands you. I'm writing a much bigger love story with you. You keep your eyes on me and I'm writing my love story with you. Meredith, did you have anything you wanted to add before we close?
1: I think we've covered it. I appreciate you having me.
0: You are quite welcome. I thank you for being here and sharing your heart. It has been uh, an amazing uh, conversation for me. A lot of revelation for me. Thank you, sweet woman. Thank you.